0: What's up everybody, it's Jordan Chaton. Thank you for tuning in to Chefish. Today we have Chef Brianna, out Bri, Anna, the east side of Atlanta. And ultimately she went to school in New York City and studied at NYU, yep. which is no easy feat. <laughs> if you don't know what NYU is like, the Mecca of schools that you even really want to get into in the country, first of all, the melting pot, the different energies. And so first of all, coming from the east side of Atlanta and making it in New York. Okay. Cause when I first landed in New York, I was making $7.49 an hour in the kitchen coming from Seattle, Washington. And I was making like 14 to 17 when I left up under the sous chef. So I'm like, Oh, yes, arrogant. I'm everything's going to be great. And ultimately it was a lot harder. Mm-hmm. To get into We've all had those
1: super low paying jobs. I had definitely a 12 an hour job. And after that,
0: I was like, never again, never I got to step it up. <laughs> well, but But after I think that we'll get into that. I do want to come back to that because talking about money and wages in the kitchen is important to me. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the main course, we're going to retouch that subject. But you studied food and like science, right? Mm-hmm. It was food
1: studies. So it was more of an anthropological look at food and culture. Okay. So I specifically look at the Afro diasporic food. Okay. Mostly from West Africa across the Atlantic to the American South, Louisiana, and then of course the Caribbean as well.
0: Okay. See? So she really knows about food. She's not just saying she's a chef. She's really a chef out here. She probably has more knowledge than a lot of chefs, actually, because once you study, that takes you to the next level mentally. But when she was studying, right, she had always been in the kitchen. It was something that you picked up naturally. And so... At some point, you started working in restaurants. And so that's like my brief bio to introduce like who you are. Okay, But now she's at Rocksteady Atlanta as the executive chef, which is one of Atlanta's top premier spots to go to. And she was really a pastry chef. So we for sure are about to get into the main course and talk about how you, how she slid because it's not an easy task to do sweet and savory and definitely not easy to get the respect in the kitchen. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. That's I really appreciate her time. It's a busy Monday. It's a busy Monday and chefs usually have a lot of work to do. And so I'm Thank you so much. No problem. You don't even know. Not a problem at all. My pleasure. (laughs) And so for my chefies out there, I know you're probably wondering, how do I know of her or anything like that? We don't necessarily have a relationship, but I became a fan of your work because somebody on Twitter named Jaya Cooks, but she's a pastry and now savory executive chef in Mm -hmm. North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. Yeah. But she posted one of her sweaters for dope girls cook and I'm like dope girls do cook I want one and so then I found out oh she's in Atlanta oh I'm about to figure out where she's at and I see you the first time I came actually just in passing and I'm like yes and I was excited to taste your dessert so I was like oh yeah I'm a fan of hers out the gate so I'm like for you to transfer over being to the executive chef like so now that I've given them a little taste, I'd like you to explain a little bit about yourself. Sure. Again, my name is Brianna
1: Riddock, Chef Brie for short. And I've had a really interesting ride in the culinary field. I definitely think I've had a overall well-rounded experience. So I've come from the kitchen and I've come from the editorial side with cooking. So I've feel like I really started off as a blogger probably in my early 20s when I graduated college, which when I graduated 2011, it was in the middle of the recession. So I originally like couldn't find a job, you know, move back home with my mom, went to University of Florida for undergrad and studied telecommunications. So that's like a form of media. So I figured. You know, I could start a blog and like do that. But then I also when I moved back to Atlanta, I actually had a short stint in culinary school. Mm -hmm. And then I was still looking for like other things to do. And I ended up finding the program at NYU, which you had already mentioned. And then I moved to New York to do that program. So while I was there, I actually did a lot of editorial works. I had a few different internships at a lot of media companies And then I was doing a lot of recipe development and recipe writing and writing articles about food and kind of using what I was learning in school to cover food topics. And then I actually got a grant while I was at NYU to study in Paris. So I studied, went to Paris for a couple of months because NYU has a Paris location. right? And I studied African chefs in Paris because there's a lot of Africans in France, because France colonized right. a lot of African countries, so there's a lot of French-speaking Africans that also reside right. in France and in Paris.
0: But I feel like, from what I learned about you, that you really picked up the camera early, way before, because you started cooking for your mom. Mm-hmm. And that's where, to me, from what I picked up on, where it kind of started started.
1: Yeah. So I guess I was super blessed because I didn't know like other people's parents and cook every day. So mm-hmm. my mom cooked every day. So, I mean, she was the mom's mom where she cooked every day. She made our plate. Like, I don't think we started making our own plates until like maybe high school where she was like, OK, you guys can do this yourself. But she made breakfast for us every day. Mm-hmm. She came straight home we love it. and cooked dinner. So I learned just the process of continuously cooking from my mom but I also think I learned more of the culinary techniques from watching Food Network. Okay. So I that was in the 90s where like Food Network was like the thing and I was obsessed with Food Network from my mom said I was watching it since I was like a toddler. Yeah. So I was already naturally drawn to cooking unknowingly just naturally and because you had an easy bake oven I had an easy bake that's oven what, that's when it's th- this
0: is what i'm saying it repeats it yeah you know what i'm
1: saying i had the easy bake oven the um bake the oven. super original one it was more of like a square boxy box. one <laughs> like the <laughs> new ones deep? now I. it was like off white or maybe like white. i don't even remember but now the new ones look all kind of like high-tech yeah and then we you just mentioned blueberry muffins in our pre-show and then I used to get the little blueberry muffin packets where it had like the blueberry pellets in there, mm-hmm. like the little fake blueberries and, you know, bake that in my easy bake oven. But yeah, I think I learned the, the consistency of cooking from my mom, but right. the actual techniques and new ingredients from Food Network because my mom is Jamaican. So. Even though I was born and raised in Atlanta, I didn't necessarily eat Southern food at home. So there's a lot of stuff that I didn't experience that was traditionally Southern or traditionally like Black American food until after I left the house. So
0: And how old were you when that happened? Not until I was like 18, 19, 20. so I feel like now we're going to start diving into the main course. But what I wanted to circle back to before we go there is, though, you picked up the camera, your brother's camera. So she was making dinners for her mom after work, even though she cooked a lot. You basically took on that responsibility.
1: Yeah, it's because I was home after college. So I was helping my mom cook more so she wouldn't be like the only one cooking. And also that would be just selfish that, you know, I wouldn't help out around the house. So, yeah, I think around like
0: 21, 22. But not everybody... Does that And then not everybody Picks up a camera And builds a blog Like I'm like You're just Casually like Yeah And I was, I like, just thought and... That was just like The next No <laughs> blogging is super the ne- hard It was super hard Creating Because
1: content is hard And now it's
0: di- Now it's even different But especially In the
1: beginning so It was like, super like... hard At the time Because I spent A lot of time Learning How to code Like the HTML And like changing The back end Because right. you know There wasn't like Squarespace And all those like newer website builders at the time so you had to do like a lot of stuff manually right Um, but I picked up the photography pretty naturally because I had already had experience
0: in up your brothers yeah using camera did that
1: probably early 20s yeah when I got out of college like 21 so that was natural and at the time I think I was working at Best Buy so it was easy for me to figure out what equipment I needed because I just got it from work or I just you know ask whomever i need to ask right at work so that kind of naturally fell into place
0: it seems like a lot of it did so when you went to paris after you were studying for a while for mm-hmm. nyu you said sent you there right mm-hmm. how do you feel like what was that like and then how do you feel like that has impacted you now where you're at
1: i loved it i mean I think the most important thing is that I had freedom to decide what I wanted to study. And then I, that the school thought it was a valid project for me to even work on in the first place. But I think because it just gave me a closer connection to understand Afro Caribbean food as a whole, because when you look at the diaspora and you look at where a lot of dishes originated and kind of how they transformed, Over time to reach the Caribbean and to reach the South, you realize that a lot of the dishes are very similar, if not the same, with a little bit of differences, probably regional based off of the availability of whatever ingredients. Right. So I think it just gave me a closer understanding of how we are much more connected through food than we realize. Right.
0: Which is a beautiful thing to me so when you got back from Paris where were you at in your career by the
1: time I got back from Paris it was time to graduate so I ended up actually moving to Alabama so I got a job with a company at the time they were timing they're a different company now but randomly in Alabama there is a huge building of test kitchens and I think Alabama or Birmingham used to be a place of publishing okay so they still had some of that era of publishing there so i was working for a company where they did a lot of the recipe development that went into a lot of magazines so like for example food and wine and cooking light at the time coastal living people magazine all those magazines all of the recipes came out of that building
0: that hub Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's how did you even figure out that that was there though
1: I was just applying to places. I think it was like a fellowship program Mm -hmm. thing, but I knew that I wanted to get into food writing and recipe development. Right. So that's how I ended up there. But
0: you were already kind of doing that. I was. I I, I was. And honestly, I should have. I. You were already doing it. I say everything that ever happens is preparing us for what's coming. Yeah,
1: and I think I was just so anxious to not be in new york and not have something that Mm -hmm. i took you know the first opportunity that i got which is ironic because literally as soon as i moved to alabama i actually got an opportunity to stay in new york and i was like oh my god i should have just maybe waited around at least for like a month or two but i was like I, i didn't i was like i couldn't afford to have a lapse or a break in my resume or just in life. So I was like, whatever the next opportunity is, I'm going to take it. But I, I think it was a great opportunity because I ended up meeting a lot of people in editorial. And, you know, everybody ends up switching jobs. Mm-hmm. People end up in different places. So now the people that I met in Birmingham, they're in different locations. So if I need to reach out to them for something, you know, somebody might work for Bon Appetit now right. or somebody might work somewhere else where and they I can still... A yeah, you know, I can still have my hand in editorial if I needed to but I mean obviously as of right now I'm 100% committed to my job
0: as the executive chef because it's a it's a very demanding uh, position very t- demanding and time consuming and so when you started really working in the kitchen, what position did you did you start at?
1: So I didn't stay in Birmingham long, one, because I just didn't enjoy the city. Yeah. And I didn't That's feel like, yeah, I didn't feel team. like there was any growth for me. So I left Alabama or Birmingham after the after less than one year. So by the time I came back to Atlanta, the editorial space isn't here, per se, as, you know, I would find in New York. So I think
0: one of my f- chef friends got me a job and I was a prep cook mm-hmm. at a restaurant. And so for anybody tuning in that might not know what a prep cook is, you essentially are going in and working in the restaurant and prepping the food. Yeah. So you're not necessarily on the line. Right. You can be on the line, but you're usually that's not your position. You're prepping stuff that's going to hit the line. You know, or if there's banquets or whatever is going on, depending on what type of kitchen you started out in. Yeah. So the
1: prep cooks, they usually have a morning day shift to where they're doing most of the actual preparation for any of the dishes. So anything that takes a long time to cook or that includes a lot of heavy knife skills. So that's like sauces, you know, fabricating meats Mm -hmm. or breaking down any poultry or seafood prepping certain things that take a long time to cook on the stove or a long time that cooks in the oven. And what kind of oven. restaurant was that? American, European, French, American fusion,
0: something. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> there were a little mixture. Okay, and then from there you also started doing dinner parties. So was this all in the same time frame?
1: This was all this was all in the same time frame. So I think I skipped over some steps, but Um, So I had already had prior kitchen experience because when I left college, let me just say that one little bit. When I left college and I was blogging, I was actually stodging in restaurants for free. Yeah. While I was still blogging and working. Yeah, stodge. Um, A stodge is essentially a working (laughs) interview or like
0: a working internship. To me, it's a free, free work. Free work. And they decide if they want you. Free work. (laughs) (laughs) So how many hours were you doing when you were stodging? I probably used to go, at that time, I think it was at the
1: Optimus. I probably was going in like maybe once or twice a week. Okay. Um, and actually like working service. I was on Garma J. J is like the salad, cold station. station. Mm -hmm. What was the other place I saw? I can't even remember. But anyways, so I had that prior kind of restaurant experience. So I always had my foot in the restaurant and then a foot out because Mm -hmm. at that point, I never really felt like I belonged. Mm-hmm. anywhere I, even prior to that like there there typically wasn't a lot of black cooks in the kitchen heavily latin staff mm-hmm. and then you know more of the higher positions was primarily male right white staff yes yes So I was like, no, I don't think the kitchens are for me because there's a lot
0: of racism and sexism in the kitchen. I was like, this this isn't for me. Yeah,
1: I always was like, I would go into a kitchen and then I just was never, I never felt welcome. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, found other things to do. But in lieu, when I left Alabama and came back to Atlanta, I had already had the idea to do a dinner party series, and I had the idea from New York, but I couldn't. I tried to do it in in New York. I Mm -hmm. couldn't quite execute it because I didn't have a car. I was on the train. I was like doing test runs with my friends, and I would like be buying all the groceries and carrying my pots and pans on the train. I was like, okay, no, this is a lot. I was like, this is not gonna work, and it's not gonna work in New York. So by the time I got back to Atlanta, I had a car. I was like, okay. Let me try it again. And then that's when I started my dinner party series, Table of Influence. And that ended up going really well. I think I did it consistently for
0: about two, one and a half, two years Yeah. Um, before I ended up at Rocksteady. So I know you had mentioned pots and pans and being in New York. And it had made me remember when I had moved to New York, you know, with my little dream. And I was working for Puff was my first client, Sean Combs. And oh, I was... Okay. Running around with pots and pans in literal plastic bags, right? This is how I hustled my position. I had IKEA bags and like burns on my arm. Yes. So this is why I was bringing you back because I was like, hold on, like this mirrors what you really you. We got it out the mud. Like there's blood, sweat, and tears. And as women in a male-dominated space, being black women. You know, Caribbean descent, all of that plays a part. And also a thing called like pretty pri- privilege being light skinned. And when I say pretty privilege, people assuming that because we, we look like is why we got to the places that we were in. Right. And so when you're talking about running around New York City with pots and pans on the fucking subway. Okay. Listen, would not recommend, <laughs> would not recommend, but listen. Do you understand? Do you understand the work? Because so many people where we're at, especially in the chef industry, since social media has taken on a totally different form, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're in the early blog, it's like you're in the beginning of how all of this really came about. So... It's easy to say that you're a chef, but you didn't put in time and experience. And so if you were mobbing around New York City with pots and pans and plastic IKEA bags, that just says something about what's really in you. And then also ultimately what type of leader you are to make your executive chef position at Rocksteady. Um, Because even in Atlanta now, it's heavily populated with black people and black women. But in the chef industry still to 2023, you don't see us in executive chef roles mm-hmm. or serving elevated food. So her food is complex, but straightforward. It's not anything that anyone misunderstands, but you do pay attention to your techniques, your colors, your textures, like all of those things play a part in the ambiance. And there's live music at this place for people that haven't experienced Atlanta. And so... Like it's a it's a big thing what you've accomplished and where you're at in your career right now. And so that's why I'm like, I'm just so happy that you <laughs> showed up and made time for me because she's a boss out here. You know, so I want you guys definitely to get your Google on even after this interview. So we under So you guys have a better understanding. So you were carrying the pots and pans around in New York and then you worked a few years out here and you got your position at Rocksteady. As a prep cook. So I started as a prep cook. The restaurant hadn't
1: opened yet and we were still in the initial phases of developing the menu. But of course, I had recipe writing experience. So even a lot of the stuff that I worked on originally, when we opened the restaurant, a lot of those recipes, we still make like our jerk barbecue sauce as my recipe, the empanadas that's my recipe all of the desserts are my recipes but how i ended up doing pastry was while we were coming the desserts
0: was really the best part (laughs) i i I loved it so i'm like super excited thank you i'm i'm like excited for what you're about to do there so so
1: while we were coming up with the menu nobody else had any Any pastry experience and i only had some pastry experience because When I was in... I almost forgot about this. When I was in Atlanta, I actually worked at a French bakery Okay. when I moved back, when I was in Atlanta um, before I moved to New York. It was a French bakery run by French people, like Uh a French couple. So I had that base of the technique Technique. because I think the French make the best pastries. The best. The Italians are right underneath the French. First of all,
0: if you know how to make a croissant and you can make it all day, every day in your sleep, you're... Badass in the kitchen. Yeah.
1: So I think I always had like some kind of like space in my heart for like Paris and France. And then when I was in New York, one of the places I worked at was a pie shop. So Mm -hmm. I just had just general experience with pastry. So, but you started with the easy bake oven. I started with the easy bake oven. Shout out to the easy bake. (laughs) (laughs) So while we were developing the recipes for the restaurant, Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I'll do, I'll work on the dessert menu and then i just stopped doing prep and just ended up just doing pastry from there so that's how i ended up becoming the pastry chef and you know i wasn't the strongest at the time but since that was the only thing that i was doing i just you know i just kept but you trying stuff they
0: couldn't do it yeah nobody else could do it they couldn't do it nobody else could you're minimizing oh yeah i just write recipe writing is hard as fuck because and then, a lot of chefs don't write recipes. Yeah, like, no. A lot of them don't. That's the only way you
1: have consistency.
0: A lot of them aren't
1: good. Consistency <laughs> with a strong recipe. So I do pride myself on the dessert menu because it stood the test of time. Right. Because everything's still consistent. And there's certain things I can't even take off the menu because it's just like crowd favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh I'm changing the menu and I take something off and everybody's all upset. Upset.
0: (laughs) Yes. When I was reading up on you, I kinda had picked up on you went through a phase of self doubt when you were, I think Figuring out, like, your voice. But I keep thinking, like, it was all right there. It's been right there the whole time. Like,
1: But like I told you, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. Right. Like, you know, I was trying. That's the one thing I am going to do. I'm always going to try. Like, I'm not going to give my validation to the outside world. Right. So I validate myself. So right. I just constantly... Try. So it to the outside, it did it possibly look like I was like bouncing around and like now I'm doing this and now I'm doing the dinner parties and now I'm doing pastry. You were working, but I was just trying and like I can self-teach, you know, I can learn, I can read books, I can, you know, research and everything you can figure out. Like I had the attitude that I can just figure it out. Like I feel like I'm skilled enough to have the basis, right? You know, I had my knife skills, I had pastry experience. I had restaurant experience. I had editorial experience. you know, I had enough to get started,
0: so I just figured it out. So but how did you feel being in such a predominantly male dominated space? Like how did you gain like your respect, I guess? like what did you go through? You that know? like moment where you're like, you know what? actually.
1: So this is just a quick <laughs> side story. So I think, so for the, and nobody believes me because I always say this, but for the longest, I was a super, super shy and very timid girl, like even up until after I left college. So this is a side story, but one of the odd end jobs that I had was I was selling cars. <laughs> okay. I so love I, it. I know, right? So I, nobody, this is, this is where I feel like I learned how to really like- Sell. Like you don't nobody mess with me. So I was selling cars and then I was around men. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I've, I found myself in a space where I'm constantly around men. But what I learned, men don't back down. If you, if they think that you owe them money or if they think that, you know, they're the best at something they're the best like right. even if they're not right you know and right. <laughs> even if they're not. even
0: if they're not or
1: you know if they're negotiating they just do whatever they do with confidence Straightforward. I always I, say don't blink and i learned the art of negotiation yes. and from there i just learned to stand up for myself because i was like oh if they're if they're fighting over a hundred dollars on the deal or five hundred dollars on the deal then I need to be fighting for my money too. I need to make sure all my checks are correct and I'm getting my Get and cut, and rent. I'm getting my money because that's what all the men were doing. So exactly. that's really where I learned to break
0: out of my shell. I love that. She because was like, oh, I was... it's a side story. No girl, this is, cause I'm over here thinking it was, oh, it's what you went through in the kitchen. And you're yeah. like, hold on the real story.
1: So that's, that's where I learned to speak up for myself. I love it. So
0: I just carried that with me ever since. And so that kind of goes into, I wanted to touch on, is contract negotiations. And well, you already said earlier in the conversation, the lowest you had worked for or when you decided to make a change was like $12. Mm -hmm. So when you're negotiating contracts, what do you think people should know?
1: I mean, you always want to do your research. You don't want to just throw... Do your research. Don't just be going and not knowing. Yeah, you just don't want to just throw something out and hoping that it will stick. Like for anything that I do, I look at other job postings. Mm -hmm. I see what other jobs are going for, how much they're paying other people with the same skill set that I have. Or, you know, if it's recipe writing, what are my rates? My, you know, what are the comparison rates that other recipe writers are, you know, charging? Um, and I come up with something that works for me, but I just don't on the whim, just like, oh, I deserve this just because like, no, I do my research and I, I do what I think makes sense. But I'm worth whatever you're also I, qualified, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to ask for, for any project. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I've never had, I haven't had a problem. Like, even when I was making cakes at the time, people order cakes from me. My prices were my prices, my dinner parties My price is where my price is. I actually never really had a problem with people. My prices aren't up
0: for negotiation.
1: No, and I'm like, listen, I'm exclusive. If y'all want me, (laughs) y'all gotta y'all gotta pay for me because my time is tight. Okay, okay? you better pay for that. Okay, y'all want Chef Brie?
0: Y'all pay for me. Y'all gotta pay for me. Uh, Pay for it. (laughs) Okay, and then so, are you comfortable with giving numbers about like what it should look like? Because a lot of people, even though a lot of people don't do their Googles. A lot of people don't do research and they just jump out there. What do you think is like the minimum that somebody should be taking in the market right now up into what you think in the position where you're at a ballpark range of where people you think? Um, I'll, I'll
1: probably get ballpark range. I do a lot of stuff based off of percentages, too. So let's say if I'm catering. So the way that I normally price my dinners or if I you know, was doing like a dinner party or whatever, mm-hmm. I do a 30% food cost. Right. So whatever. You're not doing any, 36, or
0: isn't, isn't 36
1: or 34? What? Isn't it 36 or 34? Uh-uh. My food, whatever I'm doing, is it max. max. Yeah, max okay. 30. So whatever, let's say, That's the a good client, book. yeah, let's say if the client wants they want steak, scallops, whatever. I'm like, y'all can have whatever you want. Mm-hmm. OK, but also we're in an economy with inflation. So given the prices now, I'll approve a menu and then I'll go back and estimate. I mean, I'm in the stores all the time and I'm dealing with vendors all the time. So I right. have a general idea of what. What costs um, What certain items cost. So like, you know, if I can get something at Kroger, if I get something at Publix or the farmer's market Yeah, because you
0: because when you're catering you and even private chefing you don't just you gotta sometimes you go to three four five stores you go to a lot of places <laughs> so, already, so that's time that's yeah, working time just it is. for y'all that don't understand what it costs so i'll price
1: out a guesstimate of what i think my budget is gonna be and then i just make sure my food cost is at 30 because i'm spending so much time And then I'm actually having to go cook the food and, you know, set up and I need to make sure that my margin is going to be 70 percent because at this point, I usually always have an assistant Mm -hmm. or somebody work with me. So I have to have, you know, some margin to where I pay my staff Your but I pay staff. my staff well because right. I want them to Cause come you back when <laughs> when Cause you I, call. one because I need them and I also want who, whomever yeah. to be like oh I love working for yes. Chef because she always pay us yes. you know, mm-hmm. so I never have a problem if I call somebody I'm like yo I need da, 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 I need some help I always got somebody to come help, help is important. me they know Relationships I'm going to I'm pay them they know I'm going to pay them a fair and range
0: yeah okay so getting back to Rocksteady. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go deeper into that and tell me um, where you're at currently and where you plan to take it. Mm-hmm.
1: So currently, this is my first month in. Okay. I am the executive chef. Executive
0: of, chef means she runs the shit. I, I run the show. Yeah.
1: Executive chef of Rocksteady ATL Atlanta. Say it. Let them know. Come Ooh, back. We come do Afro Caribbean food. Yes. We have two floors, so the main floor, the main dining room is downstairs, and we also have a lounge upstairs. I
0: haven't been upstairs yet.
1: You've never been upstairs? Uh Uh-uh. Everybody's like, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. I tend to stay downstairs because there's- I have to check it out. It's two different experiences for sure. We have live DJs every single night, upstairs and downstairs, so we have a rotation of DJs. And I will say we run a very large operation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're open seven days a week, so the kitchen is essentially never closed. We always have events. We have a lot of high profile events. We have a lot of high profile guests that come in. Like what?
0: Um, They like to hear. You know the people. Oh, they. You guys want to know know. the names? Yeah, the name dropping. So
1: we've done private events for. We did an Amazon influencer event. That's a big account. Um, we've done an event with BET for their sisters premiere. Good account. Um, we've done a, a private event for Revolt TV. That's um, a good account. You know, we've done lots of kind of like big name events, and then we'll do a lot of different kind of themed parties, of course, with the Afro Caribbean vibe to it. And we're but out you guys there.
0: have um, uh, live music too, right?
1: No, just DJs.
0: Really? I feel like sometimes there was they'll may, sometimes in there. they might
1: have performed something. Well, sometimes we might have like a, a one-off event where it's like a open. Oh, maybe it was
0: just happened to be the night I was there.
1: It might have been. I'll yeah. yeah we might have had like one band. or two, like, um, special events where maybe like an artist is doing like a album release. Yeah. Like an album release or like oh, a little, okay. a little small set or maybe somebody's doing like some, like a drum set drums. or
0: something. Yeah, but, for yeah. when I was there, it was drums. Yeah, maybe I loved doing it. like a little drum set. I thought that was the, that was like what y'all did. I was like, oh, yeah, this is nice. I like this. Yeah, I absolutely. Like that by
1: but um for context, let's say, so because we're open five days or seven days a week, at this point, on any given Friday or Saturday, we're doing well over 500 covers. So I just want people to understand the volume. Yes. That we're running. But what's a
0: typical, what's a typical cover for people that don't really understand? Like typical pace is like two. So, yeah. So, a cover is essentially the amount
1: of guests that actually are coming in to dine and are ordering food. So, if a couple comes in, that's two covers because that's two people that are going to essentially order food. So, we're considered high volume at this point. And honestly, I don't know what other restaurants in Atlanta are doing. Five the volume that we're doing so on average i think for other restaurants a high number would be maybe around 200 to 250 because that's what i've
0: been hearing from other ones that are doing high volume that's why our high volume is is a lot yeah you're saying it just like even though you know that it's a lot people out there that might not for my little chefies anybody that hasn't had the experience that is an extreme amount to put in per day and to be consistent for people to keep coming back. Because that's the only way you stay in business is the people that keep coming back.
1: Consistency is with Strong recipes.
0: Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so everything comes together. But don't you think that you you've gained that little that extra level of respect because you pretty much started out at the bottom there and have been are now at the top.
1: Yeah, I think my tenure, just seeing the different chefs that have been at the restaurant, understanding the culture of the restaurant Mm -hmm. and understanding how we operate, I think that has given me an advantage to be able to take on this role. Right. So as of right now, I'm just, you know, figuring out, you know, what vendors I so I have a lot of Power, I guess I would say because I get to figure out what vendors I want to order Mm -hmm. from everybody wants our account because we're spending a lot of money right you know there's no way we're doing 500 covers multiple days through the week and even maybe 600 covers sometimes without spending money so everybody wants our account I have vendors always calling me you know but I'm just trying to organize it in a way that it makes Sense for my kitchen, right? You know, and my staff, and I'm the advocate for the kitchen. She's making changes, is what she's saying. Yeah, I am. She's making changes. So I'm just slowly flipping the menu as far as like, you know, pulling off dishes that are um, not selling from previous, yeah, from previous chefs, switching out those dishes. It's it's her. Um, Any dishes that we've had issues with, trying to fix those, pull those off, put up new dishes. This we're is the working on, a, Yeah, we're working on a brunch menu. So we're going to do brunch Saturday and Sunday. So working on that brunch menu. So it's a big operation. I have a big team mm-hmm. as well. So I think also gaining the trust of your team because they know I don't play. Mm. There's little to no room for error so mm-hmm. i'm definitely like i told you i'm reserved you know to myself when i'm not at work but when i'm in the kitchen no if don't i'm play working with her. don't play with her don't because play with if i'm working and i'm moving all night i expect everybody else to be working if you're not working i expect you to ask me um there's a lot of it, there's doing. a lot of executive <laughs> chefs who
0: are not because y'all churches. not about to be
1: standing up not doing nothing, okay?
0: Off in the corner. No, absolutely not. There's always not. something to do, actually. If you ever come and tell the boss there's nothing to do, that's like, that, means, you're going home. that means you got to
1: leave. Yeah, that means you got to go home. There's always something. Go ahead and clock out. Bye bye but my team they want to work everybody wants to work everybody wants to work so i mean we i always have stuff for them to do because you've gained everybody their trust to but, work.
0: You, but but they're also like happy to be there and that's really irreplaceable
1: yeah i think the true testament was it was my birthday on thursday and i was you know i didn't really have any plans happy birthday! thank you was, and i didn't really have any plans and then So I I, obviously I came into work, but I was so everybody's like, why are you so surprised? But I was so surprised. Like my prep team had got me a little wine bottle with chocolates and all these gifts. My pastry assistants, they have got me some gifts. My mom sent me flowers and they're like, Bree, just go home. Just go home. And I was like, I was like, wow, y'all really, y'all really, I'm going to say this, but I was like, yeah, y'all really fuck with me the long way. You can't
0: like, say that. I could be oh the
1: wow. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys really appreciate me because I was just going to come to work like normal. Uh, <laughs>
0: but they did send the me chef. home. They
1: did send me home. So I, I worked a half a day.
0: No, but a lot of executive <laughs> chefs get to that position and they don't work anymore. Really, it's they come, they shake hands, kiss babies. They work the books. No,
1: I got to stay on top of everybody because it's, she's hands on. We're too busy. Mm-hmm. We're too busy because if anything happens, management is coming to me. They're not right. going to go to anybody else. So, you know, I pride myself on building up my reputation and obviously I'm aligned with a restaurant that's really popular in Atlanta so everybody thinks I'm personally cooking the food you know everybody, people don't thinks, understand that everybody thinks I'm the one making the food so you know if they think that then I need to make sure that everything right is on point but I have to heavily rely on my team and I'm constantly training like I'm always like correcting people because you know Anybody could be doing the same thing for forever, but, you know, feel, get a little lax here and there and we don't have space for that. I'm always on everybody's head.
0: Yeah. I think when <laughs> I was, one of my chefs when I was training used to always put me in spots that I was like slower in. And so tell me about your recipe for success. If you could tell someone who's interested in being in your possession three things or your younger self, what are those top three things?
1: I think the recipes for success for me and also my team is consistently and constantly learning. Okay. the The learning never stops. Even I don't know everything, and I if you know if I have a question, I'm gonna go ask somebody else. Okay. But always learning, always teaching yourself. You know, solving the problem, being a self thinker, thinking for yourself, thinking independently.
0: Okay. Is that two or three? Was that, that one? Was a few.
1: <laughs> Okay. Always learning, being an independent thinker okay. and being solution. oriented oriented.
0: okay because we can't because you can't mess up and get stuck in the problem you got to find the solution i'm like y'all gotta figure it out get it together figure it out yeah figure (laughs) it out we don't even got the time for you to be emotional about this let's move on i'm like go figure it out and tell me what the solution is and i'll decide if that was right or wrong you better go fix it and stop wasting my time okay and then so that was for our recipe for a success and for our palate cleanser okay when you're cooking in the kitchen what are you listening to I'm an R&B girly,
1: okay. you know, I'm a, a SZA girl, her, okay, um, of course, Rihanna. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely like an R&B girl.
0: Okay. And then after cooking in the kitchen all day, long as day work, what are you eating? What are you making for yourself?
1: I actually eat a lot of salads. I, okay.
0: My personal palate is pretty simple. Right. Um, but no, this is like when you're tired at the end of the day, you've been cooking all day. What are you eating? Yeah,
1: probably just like a little salad okay. with a piece of fish or a piece of shrimp. Or I asked one of my cooks to make me something. Okay. But usually like rice and vegetables and a piece of fish. OK. And a salad.
0: I feel like chefs always have weird diets. Like I'm a sandwich and uh, cereal girl. So.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty simple salad. or like a salad or um, mixed fruit. I always do like to have like a little sweet thing. So maybe a piece of chocolate or a cookie, but pretty simple. Not anything too crazy. Okay. Oatmeal. Okay. I know. I love oatmeal. All
0: right. I like that. And then for dessert, I know we didn't really talk too much about it, but you did do some television. You won Raid the Fridge. Do you have any aspirations of I know where you're at right now, but even having a show about the kitchen, like a real one or like, you know, somebody following you and showing a day in the life of and then you picking like people don't see that stuff. So do you have any thoughts about having your own show?
1: Yeah, I think definitely. I think I would love to be um, some kind of food personality. I don't see myself being a chef in the kitchen for like five more years. Cause for me now it's just a little, it's definitely physically demanding. So I think I have a couple more years, but I would love to like transition into. um I see it. Yeah. I would love to transition. It's That's already a yeah, show yeah. right there. A, hey, you better
0: find a cameraman. Yeah. I, I would love hey, to do that. Hey, talk to the bosses. I, hey, I got yeah, the vision. I think so.
1: I would love to transition it's into. It's right there. You have your whole kit and everything. A personality you or bed. even like a travel, cooking. Exactly. Afro caribbean situation exactly. absolutely yeah i am gonna you know i'm gonna stay in the kitchen but i don't see myself like trying to move to another restaurant or no try this is this is my last i always tell restaurant people and my last
0: executive i job always tell people get because i'm have tired. An exit plan yeah.
1: have an exit plan that's my exit plan thank you for asking that's have exactly what plan. i want to do yeah i see it
0: girl yeah i see it I see it. Watch manifest in Yeah. Like a year or two. Telling you, camera crew, are oh,
1: you? So y'all, you y'all, pay y'all pay. better, y'all better pull up to Rocksteady because after is. a couple of years, I'm I'm done
0: I'm there. out of the kitchen. Out of there. I love it. And so mm-hmm. outro, where do you really want to take Rocksteady before you like close it out?
1: obviously my goal i mean we're a popular restaurant so i want to make food one of the top yeah i want to make food that's popular right you know that's a hit that people want to become because it's all over Instagram You know Rock Stakes All over Instagram We're all over TikTok You know I want to make food And you nailed it As far as my style goes That's exactly What my style is It's complicated But it's still simple It's At the pro- same it's time, simple. It's approachable It's bold It's it is. very colorful But that's That's like my personality My plates are pretty clean Yes You know I love like Coming up with nice plating But that's a little bit simple Because again We're a high volume restaurant I can't come up with something That's super crazy it's super technical because we have 500 covers. We have to get just the food out. It. Yeah, we have to get the food out in 15 max, maybe 20 minutes. So I'm having to think about you know recipes and dishes that are efficient, that are quick, you know that can be done during prep. That is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The plating is beautiful, but it's also easy for my team to get done to get all that food out the window. Right. But yeah, which is a
0: task in itself. So yeah, you're so it's be- a it's
1: a whole it's a whole thought process. Like it's not
0: just like oh. But I like that you're, you you're taking dish. charge and and changing things as a woman oh, yeah. in the kitchen. Okay, if got my, if this got, a boss right, right here. If it got if my name on know, it,
1: okay. If it if got my name know, on it. If you didn't know It's going to be done correctly
0: <laughs> And so before we Before we completely wrap it up I know that you had Dinner party in Jamaica yeah. Are you going to be doing More of those Or taking those on the road to Like do you want to do that Once a year You already have a built in team Like yeah. have you thought about that
1: I would love to do maybe Jamaica a little bit more consistently for sure. Um, I still have family there. Uh, yes. I did it at my family's house. It was so oh, beautiful. beautiful. I had so much support. Even the Jamaica observer, the editor was there like I'm like, oh, I'm popping in Jamaica. Like y'all or well, not gonna take it beyond there.
0: Like Thailand when you went to Thailand. I no. think I want to stay okay. true
1: to Yeah I think I just You know I want to stay true stay, stay true to, to the roots Yeah stay true to my roots Like I don't stay I don't gotta to go Past what I know Like I don't have to go past that But I would love to consistently You know Always do something In Jamaica for I sure I love that Yeah cause I already I know like We have a florist You know I had a lot of vendors That's that a that show I too I just feel like she. I had a lot of vendors yeah. that I worked with. So I would love for sure. I would definitely do another dinner party
0: in Jamaica. So she'll be doing a dinner party series. Yeah,
1: like maybe. Is- I wouldn't mind doing one across the Caribbean, okay. like going to Trinidad, going to Barbados. Girl, I'm telling I'm you. I'm an island I see girl. It. I'm an
0: island girl. Hey, y'all better mark. Y'all better yeah. thumbnail that I said. all the, I, I, I see it. Already. Yeah, I'm
1: an island girl. All so right. I don't mind going to different islands.
0: OK. And so where can everybody find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram. I'm like on Twitter now. I love Twitter, but everything is at seasoning bottle. One word, seasoning bottle.
0: You better go find her. Okay. Thank you, Brianna Riddick for joining me. Thank you. And you better go check out Racksteady if you haven't. ATL Atlanta, one of the hottest spots. Thanks, chefies, for tuning in. Thank you.